Last time on Geek Force, the squad talks about blackface on television and in movies. Would you rather have a white guy explain to you why it's wrong before you see your movie? Hear about it now. Also, Marlon and Raymond talk about Last of Us Part 2 and its exciting conclusion. Was it exciting? Well, tune in to find out. But see what Kat's talking about right now on this episode of Geek Force. Welcome to Geek Force, the show where pop culture rules all. I'm your host, Kat. With me today is the number one squad in the world, the G Squad with the world, Marlon. Man. The world. Marlon, <laughs> Raymond, and Eming. Hi, you guys. How are you feeling today? I'm going to need a neck brace from Shane. <laughs> <laughs> neck brace? That's guys. a lot. Guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Raymond, can I just say today is your birthday? So, listeners, if you're a big fan of Ray, like we are here, it's his birthday. Raymond is 50 years young out in these streets. Hey. Right, right. <laughs> I know, not a, not a day over 72. <laughs> and you look fabulous, of course. Thank you, thank you. Um, so how was everyone's weekend? It was, I feel like weekend is a term that no longer applies. I know, I'm like, I don't know, what happened this weekend? <laughs> I don't really day. remember. Days okay. were those. Well, okay, so I mean, if you do celebrate 4th of July, something oh. like that happened over the weekend, so I'm sure you've heard fireworks, there was barbecue. Oh my god. Oh, you know what? What really It was a fucking war zone. I absolutely, I love that people are out and celebrating, but at a certain point, it's got to be a stopping time. Seriously? I was awoken at 3 a.m. Oh, shit. No. What sounded literally like bombs over Baghdad, not the Outcast song. <laughs> literally to like five consecutive back to back, just like boom explosions. And then, which followed with like, of course, every single car on San Pablo University is like blaring because of this entire like house rocking noise took off. My cats are freaking out, fully like don't know what's going on. Oh, a loud explosion happened. I'm wide awake thinking, is someone in the house? <laughs> is someone kicking the door? Like, what's going on? <laughs> And I was just seething with rage. And it just like was another hour of like smaller ones coming up after that. So fireworks are my, are, are, I, I hate them right now. I hate them. Yeah, they, they need to stop. Um, I agree. Um, well, I'm sorry that happened to you guys. Um, but over the weekend, uh, there was two virtual anime conventions that I attended, uh, Funimation and Aniplex. I feel like they were connected, but they were not connected. Um, I mostly watched for updates of anime this year, specifically the summer, because it's still, you know, summer around here. Um, For me, it was exciting to see, like, a lot of more animes coming to the big screen, to theater. So, like, uh, Demon Slayers, uh, Infinity Train is coming to theaters. Uh, I think they are partnering with... Aniplex and some other production company and they're they're trying to get it on more screens which makes me happy because this is a very big uh part is a very important arc in the story and instead of doing a season they're doing a movie that's how you know they're serious so to see the footage and and hearing like it's coming soon I I was just yes I was excited um they you know uh fire force season two started over the weekend so if you're a big fan of fire force that came uh the 
first episode of season two dropped on Saturday. Um, if you're a fan of Dr. Stone, season two is coming out soon. Uh, another big story arc of the Stone Wars uh, featuring in the season two. I am... That show was wild. I, I mean, <laughs> to me, to me, I look at Doctor Stone as the Bill Nye, the Science Guy show for today's Yo. kids because you look. I learned some stuff. That's accurate, like, well, though. If Bill Nye, the Science Guy, was an anime character, it'd be this guy. Like, it would be this guy. It would be this high school guy. <laughs> he was like, hey, "You need this and this, and you make soap." And I was like, "Wait, you can make soap out of kelp? What? What? It's stuff like that." So I was excited to see that. Um... There's other anime news. I kind of posted it on our social media. If you guys follow us, um, I'm just it was a it was a really refresher to see that because I've been more into the dramas. And then on top of that, I did get into a new drama. I got into Brand New Animal on Netflix. Highly recommend this anime. Marlon shaking his head. All I'm saying is if you furry like propaganda, if you like these stars, and if you if you don't care about furry anime, don't listen to Marlon. If you like your furry anime, it's perfectly fine. Uh, you like this That's show. A whole subsection of anime, isn't it? Furry anime. I mean, it's not like it's getting a boost. That's crazy. It's not. It's it's not. The sexual part is just you're just like watching drama with animals. Not I like the sexual part. I like that you. I, I, had to, I had to look that up, Amy. Amy, I had to look that up because people were throwing the F word around like it was service. everything. And I was like, I thought that meant, no, actually, it just means that you just like the animals in anime. I was like, oh, I do. Does that make me one? I don't care. I like it. So brand new animal on Netflix. I highly Mind recommend. Are saying this as she's wearing cat ears? <laughs> And we have so you the video to show this too, which is great. Cats, cats, like getting right into her furrydom, like starts with the ears. She's like I'm, I'm, I'm on the track. I'm on. She's gonna have don't, tail. Don't let them, don't let them feed this narrative that bestiality and furrydom is the same thing. No way! Whoa, 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 whoa! That would be on an episode of Margin Call. Uh, here. <laughs> Very different thing. You can ask her later if you want. Where does it come from? Wow. Um, so yeah, I had a very anime-filled weekend. Um, I'm excited for some new shows, some new stuff. Uh, that was my weekend, Marlon. So today's special. We're going to start Marlon's Corner early today. Yeah. Um, Marlon's Corner. You know do Marlon's some? Corner on the Raymond Tilt. Um... So I like to just on the Raymond Hill. There we go. So starting off, I just want to say to the nerd community, geek community, however you identify within this uh, amazing world of video games, comic books, uh, movies, TV shows, whatever, um, that I think it's really important to just specify that there's a lot of hate going on out there for a lot of different people. There's also a lot of damage being dealt out there. Um, this community definitely is one that it's supposed to be inclusive of folks who feel like, you know, alienated from other things and finding a space where they can feel loved and appreciated by. And I definitely know that within this podcast group, we've been in places where we've definitely felt the love and the appreciation uh, within our, 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 our groups and our people. We also have definitely felt, um, you know, outcasts within an outcast group, which is not great. And I think it's important that we remember that, you know, we're all here to support one another and support the craft that is video games, the craft that is anime, TV shows, just to make sure we support each other and also protecting each other. So that's the thing I want to lead off with. Um, but anything. Anyway, I want to uh, just go right into this whole uh, Twitch thing that's going on. A lot of folks getting banned and sent away. Um, oh, it's boring. 
yeah. the band was sent more, away as a kid. Tell me more. To the Shadow Realm, right? The Shadow yeah. Realm. Real, right? to the Shadow Realm. <laughs> hey, yes. No, it's, it's been wild. Um, I'm trying to figure out wow, what's the guy's name that I was... Uh, God, it's like Mr. Ridiculousness or... Dr. Disrespect. Dr. Disrespect. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think we were talking about it a little bit uh, last week. Um, because it just was, it kind of happened out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like no other words said about it. Well, then there were other folks that started disappearing too. Um, <gasps> and like, they're also like, Twitch is doing a great job in terms of like not fully saying what's going on or what's happening. If some of them, like you're saying, there's some misconduct in there. And there's also been a lot of folks be like, hey, I was told that this whole thing's being shut down. I don't have a statement at this time. Um, and they're just like, walking away and disappearing to the shadow realm. So I'm trying to figure out like, at what point is Twitch going to release like, hey, here's what happened. Or they're going to be like, hey, listen, there is no war in Bossing Say, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> they can't, they can't, they can't truly think they can Jedi mind trick us on this one. Like, right. Like it has, they can try. They, See, we say this, yes. but I'm also going to be like, hey, we, we, we hear that things are going on, but Oh my God, is that a new live stream of uh, the Last of Us Part 2 DLC coming out? And they were all like, wait, what? What? Right. Follow the show, follow the show, follow the show, follow the show. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to still, you know, be trying to figure out what's going on. because I've been like in a deep, dark hole of like, what's happening to Twitch? Like, I got to figure out what's, right. what's the, what are the connecting threads? I know there's some misconduct going on. So I have a there? comment there. There's more. I have a comment there because um, there's a part of that that I agree with, like f- like that feeling of like you got to figure out what's going on, right? Like what's happening, yada yada yada. Um, and I w- want to start encouraging more people to not have that urge to do that because we aren't the jury in a lot of these situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and like and because a lot of the stuff starts popping up publicly. We feel like we are because we get we get like one side of it publicly and then we're like, well, what about the other side? Like this is a juicy Montel Williams Maury episode. Like what's happening out here? Like I want to be a part of this. And like, but it's none of our business. Like uh, they just put it out there in public because they were threatening other stuff. So like, well, now it's in the public. So now everybody knows. So now you have to address it. Like yes. um, and so because, um, yeah, the Smash community has been having a hard week, too. Um, I've been dealing with a lot of it um, on like a just on the flip side of like being one of the leadership in this area and like having to deal with community members doing stuff and blocking people on Facebook pages. And there's all sorts of stuff that we've been doing on that side to like try and make the community a safer place. And um, I got more stuff with that the rest of this week and probably for another month or two. But um, the lucky thing is we're all in quarantine. So like there are no, there are no live events going on. So a lot of this, we can take time to like Mm. make the right decisions and make sure both sides of the story get heard properly. And like, um, really dig into this because, um, because like, that's what needs to happen. And if it needs to go to a if it needs to go to police, it needs to go to police. Like some of these stories, like, uh, like they're past the statute of limitation, I think. Um, and so it's just like, I wish you all had come out with these things sooner so that something could still happen. Um, there's stories of, yeah, go ahead. So I'm confused. So 
I'm not very, I don't know a lot about this, this world you live in. Can you kind of explain to me what it is and the short version what's is, been happening exactly? The short version specifically in the smash and fighting game community over the past week has just been like uh, a lot of allegations of both predatory behavior from um, mostly men. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a couple of women stories, predatory behavior um, and a large chunk of those because the smash community is this weird, like average age of 19. Like there's older kids, there's older kids playing while there's younger adults playing. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's some weird like stuff that has happened between like 21 and 16 year olds and 24 and 14. And like, Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of these stories coming out too. Yeah. You're making the face and it's like, that's, that's been me. That's been all week. Um, Mm -hmm. So people I've known for, a chunk of time have been coming out and being some of these things, not all of it. Um, but like, I like it's, it's been a, it's been a world shatter kind of week. Um, mm. so, um, so yes, but the thing that is the thing that I'm noticing the most now is everyone's inclination to want to hear the rest of the story when it's none of our business. Um, mm-hmm. and to like, just let the people who are in charge of these things decide if they need to be around these events anymore. And if they do, then they're going to say something. If they don't, they're going to ban them from these events. And none of, no one's trying to say it's guilty before proven innocent. That's like, no Mm. one's trying to do that. No one's trying to like, so it's just, it's a lot of mess with that, that is happening. Uh, Dr. Disrespect. I'm really curious what happened, but like, I, I know there's a chance I'll never hear about it. And if I don't, it sounds Sounds like Twitch might have made the right call. Probably if they, mm-hmm. if they, Twitch is a private company about money. If they right. kicked out one of their highest money makers, I'm sure they have they checked up on both sides of that story before they got rid of him. So, <laughs> so whatever they chose, we should probably just let it go. Hmm. Yeah, and then um, and some more other video game news. Raymond and I talked about Last of Us two for like two episodes now. Um, and we definitely, you know, three, three episodes. Three episodes this is the third one. It's a trilogy. Hey, how do you dog legacy? So we, we talked about Last of Us like a few times now. We also discussed like, you know, our differences and opinions of like how we, about how we rate the game, um, which were, you know, great conversations. But on the other opposite end of that, um, there have been a lot of folks who've been really just very angry about the game. Um, beyond just like, you know, trying to get the game a zero score, beyond just wow. sharing me memes. Um, recently, uh, Neil Druckmann and Laura Bailey shared on Twitter that um, Laura Bailey specifically have been getting death threats via Twitter um, from people wow. who've played the games that have been so upset about her portrayal of Abby yeah. that they've been saying that they've like gonna find her, they're gonna kill her. Um, and it's just been this real nasty. And like she said, a screenshot of like just like five, and she says she said, "Yo, this is just a little bit of it." And she's like, "Of course, like blurred." And like what I thought was crazy is she took the time to not only share the screen, but she also blurred out any spoilers for the game. Which I'm like, you didn't have to do that. I I mean, this is important, but I'm like, you're just you're you're being a sweetheart. Like she like fully like let what they said be shown, but also just like blacked out any spoilers. But like they're just a litany of these things. Also a bunch of like anti-Semitic responses about um, one of the characters in the game. There's a Jewish character. There's a bunch of anti-Semitic comments. There's a bunch of transphobic (laughs) comments. Um, So Neil Neil Druckmann came out and said, listen, 
we had Naughty Dog, like we were like, we know this game had like a very controversial ending, had a controversial plot and everything, but we did not expect it to be this bad within like our community that was excited for this game. We want to let you know right now that we condemn all these things. These are not okay. You can't say that. You can't do that. It's not acceptable. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's really disheartening to see it because my, these people are voice actors. Right. They're not right. the actual right. character. And, it, and I think it's just, it's another example of when like people take um, a property way too far and they fully think that the person who is voicing or portraying is fully that character and just behave outside of the realm of normalcy and outside of the realm of like sanity. And so it's just been wild going through like the, like the tweets and the DMS. And at a certain point I was like, what is wrong with people? Like, I don't understand. Like even when I played, even when me and Kat played Fallout 76, <laughs> I never thought to myself, I'm going to fully email the person who designed this game and tell them, you made a bad game. I have to end your life now. Like, I don't hey. think I've ever jumped to that conclusion for any game. Like, that makes like, me happy, so Marlon. Angry. I'm glad to know that. <laughs> and I'm, and I like, it warms I'm, my soul. Right? And I just, I feel like for me, maybe it's just like, I'm covered, maybe we're just covered from a different cloth, but I just can't ever get behind someone fully coming to the rational expectation of like, my anger justifies the act of finding someone who is in no way responsible for how I perceive this game, but making them uncomfortable, threatening them, and potentially trying to harm them to feel better about something that is outside of their control. So, yeah, just threatening them with harm, period, is bad enough. Like, yeah. why? What is, how does that make you feel any better? That's what a pillow is for. Go write a, go write a journal entry. Go, go talk to a therapist. Right, go, and, go, and, and it makes me, it makes me wonder, are these people, yeah. are these people, like, burning, mer- like, Last of Us 2 merchandise? Because I feel like they're in the same pool of those people. So I'm like, you're wasting your money to buy oh, stuff real. and then you're burning it as a message of saying I don't like it. I'm like, sure there's a broken I'm sure there's a couple broken Blu-rays lying right. around. Right. And then take a picture <laughs> and be like, I am I, frustrated. I cut it. Uh, and yeah, the fact that a couple. again this kind of like Nike with debacle every, all over again. Right, right. <laughs> and, and and I feel like with all that is going on, you know, you know, with everything from the pandemic to you know, the whole Black Lives Matter movement to to us being home, you know, not without a job. Like, I understand there's anger there, but then now, you know, video games have been like the go-to thing during this time. And instead of growing as a person, you know, learning how to be better so that when we go back to society, you're a better person. You're going to take the time to tweet an email the creator and voice actors of this game and threaten them with death because you, you didn't like it. If everyone would have done that, we wouldn't have art, period. Like you need to just, I don't understand the extent and the energy and time and the money to go that far. If you don't like it, don't play it. I don't like this game. Play another game. I don't understand why it has to be, I have to change this whole thing and I'm just going to use the power of death. Again, they feel using, the power, using the power of death as a way to get people to do things. But that, that's like a common thing I'm seeing a lot recently, politically and non-politically. And I'm like, this is to stop. Like, 
you just need to understand there are things you're not going to like and you need to, to deal with it. And, and the fact that this is just a video game, you don't even have to like it. And you are, first of all, you know, we talked about the, before this game came out, the rumors of why people didn't like it. Then you two played it. Then you kind of were like, I still understand why people don't like it. Like I see I have, it. And I have a different opinion this week than I had last week. Like, okay. like I was just, like, it's still evolving. Like, <laughs> okay. There's so many layers to this game. <laughs> but that's, but see, you can say that, but to me, that makes it, sh- that shows to me that this is a very good game. It has layers where each week you're feeling a different type of thing. That's a good ass game. It might not be like how Game of Thrones. I love Game of Thrones forever. That last season was horrible, but I still talk about it because it's still a great show. It's still a great show. It's still a great show, Raymond. It's still a great show. It has a couple good seasons. That's about it. It was an experience. Did we actually have a Game of Thrones episode? No. We talked about it a little bit. Wow. We talked about it a little bit. Because when the show started, Game of Thrones, because Game of Thrones kind of ended when we started. It was already over. Okay. Yeah. No, we will. I, I, mean, I promise. I will say that, like uh, <laughs> like, Neil Druckmann definitely did, you know, release a very interesting tweet saying that, and it wasn't he, one. On one hand, he did condemn it. But on the other hand, he said, "I wish that everyone who you know is making these comments, I wish that they go see a therapist and that they get the help they need and that we pray for them." Because like he's also like, "Yo, like these people are they're making these deranged comments because something is wrong with them if they're having to go out of their way to find this person, follow them on Twitter." or Instagram and then write these things. It's like, yo, like you don't have the mental capabilities to know this is not a, you know, something to do. So you need to see and, and speak to someone about it. Right. Period. Or, so, yeah. or, or, some, been, or some way of help. Right. <laughs> just just so, yeah. get help. Maybe video you don't need to play video games. Just play mess. Tetris or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Stop. We want to play games and I'm not going to let your your hatred like force somebody to be like, well, we can't release this now because to me, no, that's not fair. You guys are ruining the whole experience for us. You know, it's not my fault that, you know, you're whatever. But at the same time, if you take the time to kind of just realize what you're doing I feel I would feel better in a way because I, I I feel like for the fans like you guys even whether if you like it or not it's not fair to uh like see this as a response like you too played the game and you too did not do the same thing and I just really hope this hasn't hindered any future developments from the from the from them themselves like I feel like they're smart enough that they are going to ignore it. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I really, because I've seen in the past where people hated something so much that they were like, we're not going to do it. And then as the fans that were, you know, we're common sense. We don't get it. And it's like, thanks, thanks, bullies. Thanks, y'all. You know, so um, I hope I hope they pull through. Hi, Russell. Hey, so we had Hello. just a drop in right now. Russell has like joined us in our <laughs> we, Russell has dropped in in our conversation. Welcome. If you guys do not know Russell, he is the host of okay, Margin Call, our big sister podcast from a ways. True, true, true. true. 
So happy to be here. Sorry to interrupt. Just <laughs> popping in, just coming late to the party. Ignore me. I'll go get a drink, you know, <laughs> listen in and catch up. Yeah, we're just talking about uh, Last of Us and how some some toxic fans have just taken their hate of the game a little too far. There's a theory that is uh, living around. Uh, I actually need to send you this video, Marlon. Um, but uh, there's um, it's this the the rest of what I'm about to say all comes down to what was Naughty Dog's intention with this mm-hmm. game? Because um, it I don't I, we don't know. We can listen to what Neil Druckmann has said and look at the game and analyze it as much as we can. But sometimes, sometimes it's hard to tell what storytellers are intending with their story. Um, and so, but this game all looks like their intention here was to present the players with an emotional challenge. There's an emotional level in this game that if you can't pass through that emotional step, then this game is just a failure for you. Uh, we've mm. talked about what it is. Like we, we all kind of know what that emotional level is in this game based on the spoilers and everything that you've letting you know, go. Like, um, and oh. so like, can you, and so the people there's, uh, one of the videos I was watching was saying, showing how like this game, one story is quintessentially like a story of like someone doing everything like for themselves. Like they are looking out for themselves. Every all of their motives and motivations are purely selfish for the most part. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of justice in there because of you know what their what their revenge story is about. But like it's mostly them trying to do this thing because they feel like they need to get revenge. Um, while the other story is all about the character learning how to take care of others, putting herself second, uh, putting others first. And so you have this like this weird balance of like uh, when the, when the two stories merge again, you have this weird balance of like my like which way the, the other is the self like do I side with this person do I side with that person and like how do I like and that's the emotional challenge of this game or uh, a little bit and I'm just like yeah that sounds like that's what they were going for here whether or not they executed that to the maximum caliber that they were That's trying the to, argument. Yeah. there's an argument there, but, uh-huh. um, but I think they did a good job of trying to put, instead of this game being about easy, normal, hard, brutal, it is, can you get through this emotional challenge? Like everyone comes at it their own way. Yeah. Everyone has this, everyone has different reactions to it and it shows in the reviews completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so Raymond, whose side were you on then? Abby's or, um, uh, I don't think I was on a side, LA but I could, I could empathize with both. Like that was the uh, point yeah. of the game is like, can you empathize with both? I think, uh, can you see where they're both coming from? Um, or do you just get stuck siding with someone basically? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think like the first time, like we may have even talked about it. I didn't think we were in like, there were definitely stages of understanding what had happened. And your first stage is like, I didn't like what this had happened. And your second stage is like, okay, I can see why this happened and why it affects. Then third stage is like, okay, I can see why I felt more on this one side and didn't like this side. And I feel like as you kind of like fully started like to take more like apart and examine it, you start to see, oh, there's a whole bigger picture here. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of folks were stuck in the first stage of like, I didn't like this. So mm. I'm not gonna. So this mm. is what I'm mad at, and didn't fully like. like these people failed the challenge. Feelings. Oh yeah, <laughs> basically, what's yeah, that? You lose. If, if this was the Arrowverse, you failed this city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they failed. This the, this wow. game didn't work for them. Um, I hope they can go back and understand it and like let go. Appreciate it. 
Let, like, yes, whole, let that's go. That's the entire point of the game. Let is, can let you go. let go? That's, <laughs> it's, it's incredible that they built a game that, that that's the point. Like you go mm-hmm. through this experience of feeling such hatred for someone for doing something to someone you had such a connection to and they mm-hmm. pull you through all the ways that people could react and like have a fallout, especially the mental distress of all of that. And Mm. that's, what's cool about this game. Um, Again, we can argue about the full execution at the end of it, but like that, that they succeeded in a lot of that, um, which shouldn't be taken away from them. And plus it's in a, you know, apocalyptic burlet like world where common sense is being rational most like as rational as possible you know i'm thinking in terms of like walking dead how many people have killed other people that are that that person felt an emotional attachment to but they kind of had to put that aside because for the greater good we had to work together or we're all gonna die and so again as a player you know you have your you have your thoughts or whatever of the world but you have to realize you know the last of us part two you know you're more into the future of this world more than the last game and of course you know it's the second it's the sequel you're going to make harder decisions ellie's older you are you know as she was a child in the first one i feel like for her at least from my perspective when you have a character that goes from a child to almost an adult, you're going to see some real stuff. So now you're dealing with real stuff with her and another character. And you're like, well, I'm kind of on her side because of the first game, but now she's making stuff I don't like. And you're going to have to make stuff like decisions of not on what you would do personally, but what would you do personally in this position in this world? Yeah, like, and that's people have that mental capacity to kind of catch up. They get caught in their feelings, and they're just like, "I just don't like. I just don't want to think about it. I don't like this game. And I just don't like it." Yeah, but right. this is too much negativity. Like, right, right, right. too much yeah. negativity. Um, the it brings the question: like, what are they doing with this with this HBO show? Because um, mm-hmm. right. they, yeah. they have they have an HBO show they're making. This it's going to be based in the same universe. Some people are saying it's just going to be an adaptation of the games, more or less. Um, and if that's true, the first season or two, if that if it takes two seasons to get through the first game or something, I can't see it taking. <laughs> if it takes one season to get through a game, they're gonna that's gonna be strange. But maybe that's fine. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> point being, when they get to this story, they have a chance to do it differently than how they did it before. But I also don't think it is going to, I think that'll have a different impact on people because the way you play through this game and you see it through the eyes of the buttons and the interactions and like, and how just like the tone of everything else, I don't think Mm. you're going to get it the same way. Just watching an actor or actress go through this, go through these Mm -hmm. scenes in a movie. Like it's just not going to be the same. It's not. Uh, so we'll see. I'm curious. I'm hella curious, especially after the fallout of this game, knowing that they're making the show. Because somebody had posted the article of saying, well, with all the hate, don't forget they're making this a TV show. So, yeah. and the people who are part of the show, I mean, they are going to have, I think, Neil, a part of it. So it's going to have that same, you know, emotional yeah. tug stream. Same, same music. Uh, right. So. Music's a big thing. I just, I don't know. How are those same players going to, f- I mean, I don't know if they're going to watch, but how they're going to film with watching, knowing. <laughs> they will. 
We know they will. They'll all tune in. They're going to be like, I hate the actors. Yeah, just so they can hate watch it. Oh, yeah. Hey, make it popular. I'm not going to, you know, any any press is good press. So, thanks. That's that's what Naughty Dog is saying right now. Uh, We still still broke all the records on sales. Doesn't matter how you feel about our game. We got all the (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. That has been Marlon's Corner on the Raymond Tilt. On the Raymond Raymond Tilt. I just still don't understand. Did you just that. Coin that? <laughs> like you, you can find that. <laughs> the Raymond. You know, Raymond, Raymond is either very, Raymond's rant or Raymond's tilt. Which do you prefer? It's Marlon's corner on a Raymond tilt. <laughs> so I'm like underneath the house. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's so Imagine Marlon's corner being like a like a like a very flat surface in the corner. But right. underneath it, he's like tilting. A plateau. It. Yeah. Tilt. So like, if I, under the if, I house. if I try to roll a rolly chair over, here, it's gonna roll back down because exactly. I'm under the house. Yeah, no, I get Happy birthday, Raymond, under a house. Yeah, That's apparently. Right. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I won't do it again. Oh gosh. It's your birthday though. Raymond loves it. Oh, he said, Raymond loves it. Russell, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, he swings it out. He swings it out to Russell. <laughs> I came at just the right time. I love this analogy. I love the tilt. And I'm also happy to get a chance to say happy birthday. I had no idea. Nobody yeah, told me that that wasn't in the email. Happy birthday. It doesn't. I found this morning. It was a Facebook. It's just a birthday. It's just a birthday. It's just a birthday. It means it's his, but it's your birthday. That's Raymond. Right. Raymond is special. This is one time yes. a year you get to say that. That wow. is my birthday? No, yeah, it's not yeah. your birthday. Oh, I thought you said the one time oh. a year he gets to say he's special. No. <laughs> no. That would be a good one. I'm not that fired in the room. Yeah, that's, that's cat's tilt. Yeah, I'll keep it. That's on it. Cat's whirl. I'll keep, I'll keep both of those things to myself. Cat's, cat's soapbox? No, I'm turning it to whirls because why not? Okay. Um, but no, we're happy that Russell's here today because our main big topic today is Hamilton. Yeah. So in case you listeners have not known yet, Disney Plus finally dropped the uh, Hamilton uh, performance that was performed in uh 2016, I believe. Yes. And so people are calling it the film. I was like, it's not really a film, but okay. It's a, but it kind of is. There's it cinematography. Is. Yeah. And the editing, the editing was on point. So I will say uh, it is a film. So they dropped Hamilton, the film, on Disney Plus on July 3rd in honor of our Independence Day, I suppose. And um, a lot of people, you know, had a lot to say about it. For me, I have never seen it in theaters or in theaters. I've never seen it on stage, but in the I, theater. I think right. that's what you see. You've never seen it in the theater. And then there's yeah, I was trying to think of it like that. Um but I've listened to this album for like four years. Four years straight, just knowing all the songs, imagining the original cast, you know, facial expressions, blah blah blah. So when I finally watched the film, I was, I was not prepared because they show things that I was not privy to at all. They had a little, like even things with King, King George, I didn't know like for the second half, he just literally sat on the side and was watching like, y'all feeling kind of thing. I was like, I had no idea. It was so ready. Right. And then I didn't know that the final end, Eliza had this super huge gas moment when she was, it was like she broke the fourth wall and she was like returning to her loved ones on the other side. Like that was, wow, wow. Like, um, I don't know 
if do they show that on stage, you guys? She I mean, you she gasped, but it, it gas. wasn't that mm-hmm. big. I remember it being smaller. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think I had the gas on my end, but I definitely agree. I feel like I've seen it, but even like with the seats I got, it's very hard to see all mm-hmm. the facial expressions and all the little ticks and the things. And mm-hmm. uh, I feel like it's just it's it's just a touch more real to like have mm-hmm. a camera all up in yeah, Aaron like Burr's face as he's like <laughs> reacting to something on stage and even with King George, his facial expressions and like also you're his spit was a lot. Also like <laughs> yeah. you're like you're aware of like that there are there are very consistent roles. Like the woman that plays the bullet is throughout the play right. talking to mm-hmm. major players in I the play multiple right. times. But if you're sitting far away you just see a woman like oh this woman is doing a thing. You don't really focus on her face, but now that you can mm. see the face, you say, oh, she has a very pivotal role as the bullet throughout every single scene. There's a bullet being shot. She's the woman in this scene. So, oh, she's living this she's life. Death. She's She's, she's going to hit someone. She's going to kill someone at some point. And also the whole thing of like the fact that his son was flirting with death and then dies later was just, it's right. just it makes right. so That blew my mind. I was like, knowing, so like seeing these little things, my mind was like, oh, this is way more than I expected. And then reading up on things that I still didn't see, it made this whole experience way deeper than it was supposed to. I will say for the first half of the play, I did turn into a single, I could not stop singing. I was like, hey, <laughs> you're allowed. Whole time. But then the second half, I was a bawling mess. I was just crying. Like, uh, Philippa Sue, like, I knew Liza, she made me cry when I heard her songs, but like seeing her performance and just, yo, I was, like, I was crying. I could not stop crying all the way up until the show ended. And then I cried again with the credits wrong. So I was like, this is a good movie. Oh my God, it was such a good movie. But it was just, it was like just little things that, you know, as, as a good writer, you know, he did in the beginning where you notice people's, you know, little personalities or whatever, even in the song, you know, that's why the main, the first few songs are the main songs because they are referred mainly on the, on the other side of the show a lot because it represents something. But seeing that for me, it was just the acting, the, the close-ups on, on Burr and everybody, it just took it to a whole nother level where, oh, so now I'm seeing and understanding. Wow. Cause like for me, I knew Alexander was arrogant but then, like, seeing, like, his his facial and body move, I was like, you are wild. You need to control yourself. He was just, <laughs> he was just, eh, and all that. I'm like, dude, you need to slow down and wait, you know? Like, Bird was not lying when he told him he needed to just talk less about well, He was not lying. He, he needed to just stop. But, you know, he was, you know, all over the place. So... I guess I'm asking, like, what are you guys' thoughts knowing that? I, I I mean, Russell, I don't know about you, but I did not see it on stage. So comparing to, I guess, kind of like Marlon kind of just got into, but like seeing it on stage and then seeing it on here, what are your thoughts? Compare, contrast. I'm very interested in that aspect, especially even just in this conversation of the five of us. Because with this coming out on Disney Plus, there are people having like multiple different levels of experiences, right? Right. There are the people who saw it in the theater and have been listening to the soundtrack ever since, and now they're seeing it again. 
There are the people who have been obsessed with it, never able to get a ticket, never actually saw the show, but listening to the music and like you, Kat, finally seeing the visuals and having things come together in a mind blowing way. And then you have people like me who were like, oh yeah, that sounds interesting, but never like listened to the soundtrack and didn't, you know, like I knew what I knew about it as a pop culture phenomenon, but everything was brand new to me. But I am grateful. It was, uh, I think, as, as someone who knew very, very little about it, a, a mind-blowing experience for all the reasons that you guys have mentioned. But I also have a lot of thoughts because I'm a person who experiences art in a critical way. I think about storytelling. I think about, I'm very serious. I think art is very serious. I love to think, even movies I love, I like to think about like, what's not working here? And um, that's not how I approached it. I had a very profound emotional experience. I understand why it's a cultural phenomenon, but I had some thoughts. I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to go on the record as a Hamilton hater. I'm not a Hamilton hater. Uh-oh. Is, 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 isn't it like another Drake situation? I, I'm going to just... My I assume I don't know your, what you're going to say, but uh, what's your... Too late. I already assume what he's going to say. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm not... I, I, I had a wonderful experience, right? But my experience is very different from people who have been like super enthusiastic about this from the start, right? It's very easy for me to come into it late and be like, oh, this is the thing that everybody loves. I don't really know that much about and now I'm watching it. All the things that are great about it, I kind of like... Um, are known, well-logged. I would like to talk about that at length, but I also want to talk about Lin-Manuel Miranda a little bit, just in the role of Hamilton. Because I don't know if other people had this experience, but when I was watching this on Disney+, Plus, I thought, oh my God, what an assemblage of insanely talented people. Like every single person who got on the stage. I love musicals. Like I've always loved musicals. I love going to see musicals in the theater. I love watching them on TV. I like the old stuff. I like the new stuff. There's some stuff I don't like. You know, like Phantom of the Opera's trash. Everybody knows that. Cats is garbage. Everybody knows that. I guess that's a different thing. Sorry. Now I'm being controversial. Now I'm being controversial. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Let me strike those from the record. <laughs> I love musicals. So I was watching how many insane, I mean, my God, Aaron Burr, I, I, there's so many people, right? King George, everybody, Angelica, just like the, the most incredible actors, the most incredible singers, dancing, choreography. This is like the height of performance, right? And then you kind of have Lin-Manuel Miranda. And this is not, not, obviously he's genius. This is like his brainchild. But it kind of reminded me a little bit of like, you know how like, Dr. Dre used to always like put himself on songs and then you'd be like, oh man, it's the Dr. Dre verse because Dr. Dre is not a very good rapper. You know what I mean? Like he's the producer. He's the genius behind everything. <laughs> I think that <laughs> makes Hamilton more hip hop. Is what you just, yeah, is what, right? that's what I just heard. <laughs> it makes it more hip hop because the producer is like, I want to be on this track. You know, it's like Puff, Puffy used to do stuff like that where he would like make a great beat and then everybody would love the song and be like, oh damn, now it's the that Puffy boy, verse. Baby. Like, yeah, like this, this is not good anymore. You know what I mean? And it's a little bit different. For it, right. But, you know, uh, I just felt like I, and this is the phrase I'm going to use, like, because I think it's accurate. He, not only did he put himself in the musical as a person who I think it's fair to say is like not a particularly good singer, not a particularly good rapper, not a particularly good dancer. Is that fair to say? Is that a controversial thing? I'll to fight say? you on the I'll fight you on the rap side, but the other two I won't fight you much on. And okay. Add on to what Rima's going to say. I also have something to say after Kat. Okay. <laughs> so that was, it was a little bit of a sticking point because I have an, obviously like an incredible amount of respect for Lin-Manuel Miranda, admiration, genius, right? I saw him in In the Heights when In the Heights was out, but that wow. was fantastic. Um, but he really worked in that because he was in his element. 
right? Like he had this role that was kind of off to the side. It was a guy that didn't have to do much acting. It was like a pretty good rapper and it was his show. And then there were a lot of people who were really, really talented singers who kind of took the forefront. And I just thought, not only did he put himself in the show, he put himself in the lead, in the most crucial role. And I'm watching all these supporting characters. Like with the whole conflict and the really fascinating relationship between Hamilton and Burr, to me, is fully compromised by the fact that Odom is just like, an outstanding performer. Like in my opinion, probably the, right. the most talented person in the show that I saw. And then he's Disagree. like, and okay, fine. That's debatable. But like at least <laughs> one of absolutely the most talented people who are on that stage. Right. Definitely. Um, and then he's, you know, it, that relationship to me is so tainted by the fact that he's up against this guy who's kind of like, I, not really suited for that role. Like it was crazy to me to watch that happen. And I, I don't want to lead with criticism. It was just an interesting, but something I had never considered. Right. Because all I knew was like Hamilton is great. Lin-Manuel Miranda is a genius. And then I watched, it, I was like, wait a minute, he can't act and he can't sing. And he cast himself as Hamilton. That's wild. So that's it. Say what you want to. That's my little brief piece. <laughs> that's like <even> firing. <laughs> he did. Um, not the sky. Right. I'm not, I'm not being authoritative. I'm saying that was my take upon watching it, I'm fully prepared to be taken down. Raymond? Here we go! Raymond! <laughs> and go! I... The experience I had watching it in San Francisco um, is that uh, the Hamilton in that play was, like, really great. He was, he was really fantastic. Um, and in watching the film version this past weekend, um, I realized that I didn't really have a very strong attachment to the Aaron Burr in the San Francisco play because I was just blown away by just by Leslie Odom. And I couldn't really remember the Aaron Burr that I watched in the, uh, the S-Up version. And I was like, yeah, he just must have been bad. Because like, <laughs> maybe not like not in a mean way, but just like, right. I just, I don't, I don't remember him. Like I remembered some of the other performers in that play. Right. Um, and so, and so I think I have a, like, that's my, my, my response to this is, um, I guess not everyone is always the right person for the role. We see that a lot. Um, and I think maybe he took, maybe he took it on because it was his child and he like knew all the lines and like didn't, and didn't want to like train someone else up on it. Or maybe he just felt connected to Hamilton in some other way or like, I'm curious why he did. Um, but I still like him. I don't think he's bad. Um, but I definitely understand why some people are calling, calling him like not good for the role. But I, mean, I don't have any, I don't have any beef with Lin Manuel Miranda, right? He's a oh no, no, no. Guy. You're I right. just mean you in that, that role. In yeah, yeah, that yeah, role. yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what like, I'm saying. I, I still liked him as Hamilton. I still think he do does a fine job. Um, did I like the SF guy more? Yes. I wish I knew his name, but. Um, mm. And does that mean I would like every other Hamilton that they got over the course of the timeline of this play more than him? <laughs> it's maybe possible. Like I, he might be the worst of all of them. Like if we had to rank them, but like, I think <laughs> he, he, I think he still does a fine job. It, it, there's something to be said that like uh, his singing is not the best in a musical. And maybe that's where the biggest disconnect is for me. But uh, acting wise, I liked him. I liked, um, I felt like maybe it's cause I could see the facial expressions expression more, but I really liked him in the, uh, um, I can't think of the farmer's refute. Um, the guy singing 
the, the oh, guy yeah. singing the, the, the Creed from King of yeah. George and he's like doing the alternate melody oh, with him. Awesome. Uh, and like, I really liked Lin Manuel on that. I thought he did a really good job with that. With that, like, that was one of the best songs that he did in that was uh, him, but that was him mostly rapping in that song. So we'll see how, or we won't see. People will I mean, have their I, opinion. I, w- I would say that that was in support of my argument. You just kind of said it in a nicer way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. A little bit. A little bit. I just don't think, I don't think his acting is bad, but I, I could, I could agree that his singing isn't very great. Yeah. And it wouldn't be as noticeable if everybody else wasn't so good, like yes. mind blowingly good. You yes. know what I mean? This wasn't yes. just like a musical yes. with like, wow, really talented Broadway people. It really felt like an all-star assemblage of like the most talented people I'd ever seen in a musical before. And then Lin-Manuel Miranda. Maybe that's really what it is. is yeah. um, that <laughs> he made just... the mistake of casting too many talented people around him. <laughs> Should have gotten a bunch of more average people. <laughs> made him look better. Um, so I guess yeah. good, good for him for making himself the worst person in the play. <laughs> okay. That's kind of how I want to start it off with. But um, in my opinion, I feel like he did that on purpose. I don't know where I read it, but when it came to... I feel like when he was writing this, you know, we we talked about it all. It, everything's connected as far as this is Alexander's story. Yes. But it's not told by Alexander. It's told by two. I feel like two of the most powerful people on the screen were Burr and Eliza. And they were like the ones mainly carrying scenes with whenever they were in. They were like on it. That's why I feel like Eliza was chosen for her voice and her acting. And that's why Leslie was chosen for Burr for his voice and acting because it's them telling the story. I feel like Lin-Manuel chose to be Alexander and knowing that he not only is he's not as powerful with his voice as the others, but even physically, he was one of the smaller guys on screen. I think he did it on purpose because again, Alexander is a young scrappy dude from the islands you know, trying to catch up to New York society because he wanted to do such great things, even though, again, his talent was writing. What did Lin-Manuel do for this play? He wrote the hell out of this play. So that's where his strength was at. I feel like he's a great rapper and his acting's on point. His singing's not great. And I think he knows that he was kind of draking it a bit, which is fine (laughs) to me. You know, he he, he is Alexander after all. And and we give him that credit because, you know, on stage and off stage, both characters are trying to do something big that has never really been done before. And I think that's where all the hype and stardom is at. And I respect that. But I also respect that. Yeah, he's not he's not the top dog on stage, especially when it came to scenes with him in Washington. That dude, I feel like he's yeah. one of the best dudes in the whole play. Yeah. His presence, his voice, his I love every time, right? Christopher Jackson, he was one of my heart. Him, and it kind of really showed for there, it really showed between him and Lin Manuel because it was like he had such a very strong, like wise presence. And then Lin Manuel's just, you know, like a little chipmunk, like, da 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 da. I know it, I know. No, son, (laughs) son. Son. And then when he, you know, later on, he's getting a little too confident in his role. He's like, call me son one more time. Call me son one more time. You know, yeah. that's when he was like, okay, you need to chill. And he had to chill because he was doing too much. And so I feel like this is one of the most brilliant written uh, scripts because he, put, I feel like Lin-Manuel put a lot of himself in Alexander because he saw him, you know, this is not a true accurate 
description of Alexander Hamilton, but in his story, you know, it's his version and he had to put some of his insecurities in Alexander and we see that. And I think when we are like, well, he wasn't, Alexander wasn't too. So I, I feel like it worked because there's a balance. Like, cause it wouldn't make sense if Alexander was the most, you know, best singer. That would have been too much. That would have been a little too much. The fact that, you know, even the, his, his title song, Alexander Hamilton, is one of the weakest, weakest songs in the play, in my opinion, but it's such a, a strong standard song because, you know, it repeats throughout the song. You know, we know the tone. We know that song, even though lyrically it's not the best song. And so it, it was written like that because... You know, this is kind of like the fanfare for this character. It's like it's putting his place musically in that scene. And so I'm like, brilliance. Like, I would have never thought of it like that. And so when we talk about Lin-Manuel, I feel like he did what he had to do in certain ways because I think as a writer and as a performer, you know, you, you saw how he came from In the Heights, how he... That was like his that was his first baby because it was mostly a Puerto Rican uh, play. And so, yeah, he he that was like him on that side. Alexander is like a part of that. You know, it still had that New York feeling about it. But we're in 1776, you know, and he really had to play on not only history, but then just balancing everyone's talent and skills and. I was just reading how how he was finding it with Renee and being Angelica, what Renee had to do to become Angelica and what she had like to get that role and how she even won that award. Like they were very, very particular in choosing the people for the roles. And it was like perfect casting because even when it came down to Anthony Ramos, you know, he played two characters. He played John Lawrence, which was like his best friend. And then he played Philip, which was his son. To me, it made sense because... No, I see how Lemon Wells Hamilton and then Anthony Reynolds's uh Philip, they had like a weird father-son chemistry, even off stage, you know? And seeing it in the scene, it was just it made sense to me. Like it's just little things like that where casting and everything made sense. So um I I I agree what you're saying, but like that's also what I want to put on your mind of why it was the way yeah I, I can appreciate that i mean the other thing to consider is that like my experience here is so tainted because i did not know very much about the show right and I thought, oh great the first time i'll see it i'll get to see lin manuel in the lead role because so right. many people who saw the show didn't have that experience mm-hmm. and part of me thought oh this is good that i didn't like sell a kidney so that i could go see the show <laughs> in theater because now i get to see lin manuel so you know what i mean like i put those expectations onto right. it and not know Knowing the limitations of his range, I guess, to put yeah. it. To I put think it another cool piece I got from it, um, I also was like super big into like wanting to see it. Um, I got like a Hamilton book of like the songs and like, like mm-hmm. I get the Melinda's like little handwriting next to the margins of like what he wanted the songs to be. But what I got from him being in the lead role and I was in Hamilton as like the play itself was that. Alexander Hamilton was famous because of who was around him. Mm-hmm. Like him by him, like you can do a story under George Washington by himself because he's a big role character. You can do a story about Thomas Jefferson by himself. He's another big character. But as far as Alexander Hamilton goes, his story doesn't even get interesting until he meets these people. And right. so I feel like in terms of looking at Lin-Manuel Miranda as a character and in the play itself, him by himself sitting at the White House 
when he first did like, hey, I'm doing this play on you know Hamilton, him singing it was like, oh, that's a cute little thing you're doing. But then having, you know, bring together this band of amazing singers and dancers, like, oh, this is a full production. Like they mm-hmm. carry the show. I feel like him being in the lead gave you a chance to see great. It's, it's, it's him standing on stage but fully getting the ensemble cast that's mm-hmm. like the bigger picture. Like you focus mm-hmm. more on them than on him at times. Like right. even on the songs where it's Most just him singing, it's like him singing and then Aaron Burr comes like, oh, look, it's Aaron Burr singing. And they have the exact same thing, but it's like, oh, this thing is more important. Like you said, Aaron Burr's attached to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, this thing's important because like, you know, a scout's just attached to it. I feel like mm-hmm. in terms of Lin-Manuel Miranda, he's very much aware of it, but it's like what he brings to like, you know, Broadway. And like, mm-hmm. even with like In the Heights, like, he definitely had more of like a in the background character because you had Usnavi in front and everything like that. But even with this play, like even though it's about Alexander Hamilton, it's about the people that are around him that make him mm-hmm. who he is. Even like the narrative story being, you know, Aaron Burr led, then Elizabeth Schuyler led. I think it's like a very, you know, it's an interesting way of seeing like, oh, you're the lead, but like, are you really the lead? Because like, right. like Raymond said, like even when like when I went to see it in like you know in SF, I wasn't attached to. Hamilton that much either. I was more attached to, oh, who's George, who's George Washington this time? Like, I was more attached to that. I wasn't attached to who Hamilton is at all. Hmm. Really? I good. have a quick... I love that character or that actor. Sorry, Russell, go ahead. No, no, it's just a very quick side question because I want to get other people's opinion on this. It's small. So, David Diggs comes out in the second half as Thomas Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he supposed to be Prince? Is he supposed to... <laughs> yeah. Yes. There was a purple suit all about. He's Prince. The purple suit is like... I just wanted to make sure. I mean, it would be a crazy coincidence if he came out prancing like that in a purple velvet suit with a ruffled shirt and it it wasn't an homage to Prince. That was the first... That was my first read. I was like, this is genius and I love it. I just wanted to make sure that others... He's all like... The prancing was so There's, There's the... To me, I see two layers on it of he was gone for a long time, so he missed everyone jump on the hip hop train and he comes back like behind <laughs> in, in music yeah. Um, yeah. And, right. um, and then on a second layer if there is any founding father that is prince it's definitely thomas jefferson definitely uh, he was all about loving everybody there were a lot thomas of references jefferson. like that because he was coming back he's like oh i guess i missed the 80s or something like yeah, that you yeah. know what i mean and it was like that oh yeah you are. you're stuck in the 80s <laughs> Right. Oh, no, I thought that was a brilliant. I mean, there's so many like brilliant touches like that, but that one I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's <laughs> Prince. Is Debbie Diggs coming out like Prince? That's my baby. That has um, to be uh, his favorite song and that one yeah. of his favorite songs in that play. <laughs> I do have another kind of big existential question here. I don't know if other people are going to share this read, but um, as I as I mentioned, I love musical theater very much. I'm very invested in musical theater. I care about it. I think about it. I talk about it. I also love hip hop very much. So I think about hip hop and I talk about hip hop a lot. And my initial read when I heard about this and when I just heard, kind of heard songs, some of the actual songs before I saw the show was this feels a little bit. This was my kind of like 90s teenager like response this feels a little bit like those movies where like the cool teacher comes to the hood and is like i'm gonna teach you american history you know but i'm gonna do it in hip-hop and then he's like you know what rhymes with 1776 and do you know what i mean like it it had a little bit of a departure from what my under my very like um orthodox understanding of what hip-hop is and there was a, a, a there were aspects of it 
And I'm only saying this for the sake of conversation. Please don't come for me. There were aspects of it that felt the only word I can think to describe it is a little corny. Do you know what I mean? Like, a, like I know that, well, hey, I, Broadway's corny. It's supposed to be corny. I get that, right? But when you blend these things, it's like a different kind of corny a little bit. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I would wonder, like, uh, I'm curious if anybody else has that response. Men did. For, for clarification, is corny a set of judgment where you're saying it's good or bad? Is it on that scale of, of good and bad? Yeah, yeah. I think it is a value judgment. Like, I would say, like, campy is not a value judgment. Campy is just like, oh, that's what it is, kind of like okay. what Broadway so is. To you, corny is, like, on the bad side? It was judgment? hard for me at times, yeah. It, okay. was, it was hard for me because it was corny I, in a bad way. Someone would, else would like to start? I'm going to pass it to Amy because she well, didn't get a chance to say, say that. that. That's true. I'm not following that comment. What am I, a hot potato? I'll say this. You're very controversial, Russell. I know on Saturday Night Live, Lin-Manuel Miranda did a skit where he was like the white guy doing hip hop in class to like make fun of like, hey, I'm going to do, do you guys know about the first uh, hip hop artist, Shakespeare? And it was just like him playing on that. But I also think that, um, to the other side of that, um, Limelight as a character, if this was his first play, I would fully, you know, have those vibes. But, you know, seeing how he's done In the Heights, he's done a play fully on, I think it's called, um, he did a play on a case in Florida where they were having undercover cops um, have kids sell them weed and get them arrested. Mm-hmm. He's he, he has like a whole, I think his portfolio of plays about uh, POCs in general or black and brown people definitely give him a little more street cred to like do this play. Um, if it had just, if it had been like Brockheimer or someone who did Catholic, I'd be like, Oh, this is definitely like a cash grab. Um, right. <laughs> but I, I don't have like, those thoughts. I don't question like his motivations or his loyalty or passion mm-hmm. or affinity for hip hop or where he's coming from. Or Cause that man grew up in literally the home of, of yeah. hip hop. Like yeah, he is, yeah. he is so from the home of hip hop. I'm not saying like, <laughs> Oh, it's not, it's not in his blood. What I mean is like the actual subject matter, right? Like you're taking like American history, which is loaded in its own way. You know what I mean? But, and quote unquote educational and using hip hop as a vehicle for that. It just felt, I see a hand. Kat. So, so my question to that is what do you think about some stuff on Sesame street? And what do you think about schoolhouse rock? Um, Schoolhouse Rock, I think I was too young for. Is that possible? How no, you're younger than you, me? You can't. I, I was young, young I'm younger than you, and I've, I'm a Schoolhouse Rock kid. I mean, I know what it is. Born and raised, I guess. But it's definitely sense. not in my yeah. veins. But like, yeah. Okay. Or Sesame Street. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, Sesame Street is for children, and Hamilton but like. You have hip hop, you have education context, and it's presented in a way where children or people who don't know this stuff is almost in a way, can you say corny, but it, it, it gets them, it gets their mind, kind of like how you're just using music as a way, as a learning tool. Now, I will not say Hamilton is hella accurate because it's not it just makes you want to go out and read more about the character which is what I think uh Lin-Manuel wanted you to do you know I feel like with any type of adaptation it it's not going to be completely real unless you go read about it which I like but as far as like presenting in a way where yeah it's 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 Broadway it's going to be over dramatic but kind of like in your way I'm just curious to see like 
well, if you think that is, then I'm like, well, how do you, because I mean, as an educator, I use a lot of music inspired things from different genres. I have rock and roll things to teach kids ABCs. I have hip hop stuff to teach them about their manners, you know, and it's all corny across the board, but I like it because I think it's really entertaining and I understand kids taste, but at the same time, it's like, well, how, old, way, how old are the kids that you're teaching? Elementary. Would you try that in a high school? Not the What's same. What's crazy content. is little Miranda, when the play was playing in New York, they often would bus in kids from public high schools to see the Broadway play and then do a Q&A afterwards. And they said they had a lot of kids who actually enjoyed it. They had a lot of questions. They always they also liked the fact that they got, they got to see play that had cursing in it. And like the actors would fully hold like a Q&A with just this high school. And like Aww. they talked about how like awesome it was to go from where they were to PS 115 to like right. Broadway and have a show with only they were the ones got to see it. Great, got Um, I think with the nature of what this play is, it's impossible to avoid a little bit of that corniness because it is okay. quite literally like like you're saying a history lesson uh, written in a hip hop like jazz show um, or hip hop R&B. Um, right. I feel like it's slightly, I feel like it's impossible to avoid all of it. Uh, like oh. Bill, we all go back and watch Bill Nye, the science guy now. And you're, and we're all like, yeah, this was kind of corny. Uh, well, but I like, like it. Um, but I, definitely the, the rest of that content, I feel like the rest of that content still holds up. Um, there is another point that I wanted to, make on this topic that has now left my head and so I'm just narrating hoping that I can remember it but that's a fair enough you'll get there you'll get there you'll get there meanwhile 12 minutes later Um, (laughs) (laughs) but the um, I think um, I think I hear what you're saying and that's honestly why I liked it more me personally, because I, I came out of it when I went to go see it. Like that was quite possibly the nerdiest thing I have ever right. seen in my entire life. Right. Like it was just straight. Like a nerd wrote this. Uh, <laughs> dozens, dozens of nerds play at it, and, and it's just two and a half hours of uh, light history lesson. Uh, yeah in song and dance and like it's just perfect (laughs) Uh, so i liked it more because of that i think all the hip-hop references all the new york references too all the new york references (laughs) all the the little prince things little stuff like that that i'm just like this is just the nerdiest thing in existence there was some good referential stuff like i i think i went back and forth on the 10 crack commandments 10 dual commandments thing yeah um I, for a lot of different reasons and so many mob deep lines show like how many times is somebody can say I'm only 19 but my mind is older yeah <laughs> if you really are a nerd about hip hop you're like ooh ooh that's mob deep ooh ooh but I was also like wait are we only doing mob deep biggie and Grandmaster Flash, because those are the only three people, but you heard several references for all three of them, which to me was like, that's a little bit like, that's like the JV squad of hip hop. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> I think there's, a, there's an argument for the whole thing being a Dr. Dre reference now that you've put it that way. Um, oh, and then, because um, <laughs> that's a great analogy for Live My Own Miranda in this movie. Um, like we didn't need to hear Dre's voice on Chronic 2000 at all. Like no. could, you could have just put another like Snoop verse in there. There's, that been fine. <laughs> there's also just the idea of like these rap structures. Um, there's too many cipher songs. I love the cipher songs. I love the um, cipher songs. Yorktown is probably my favorite song in the whole thing because it's basically just a cipher. Um, mm-hmm. 
And then you have your destiny child influence. You exactly. have your wait. You which one like, is the destiny child influence? The scholar uh, sister. Scholar oh, sisters. Come on, Russell. Come on. What do you want me to do? Pardon? Pretend like I know and then not learn anything? No, let the man be ignorant. Sometimes it's okay. Everyone. Okay, does. you're right, Raymond. You're right. Did we just teach him? Um, <laughs> what else am I? There was another I liked good the one. Battles. The battles were good. The like, battles were. Oh yeah, the yeah, the the rap battles were good. I thought that was well. I mean, for the for the context, it makes sense, right? They're like debating on mm-hmm. the floor, and to have it situated as a battle, I thought like that was actually well done. That was like really hip hop like well employed in the show. That needs to happen mm-hmm. in real life, honestly. I'm like, let's stop with this. It's just on having a rap battle. Mitch Trump, McConnell versus Trey, Kamala Harris. And that That'd be kind of fun. Uh, I mean. Let's would, do it. <laughs> would you, would you, it would be, you would be watching these bad, this is where we would really get to the corny word. You want to watch right. the old white guy come up with a silly rap about his racist policies. I don't, I don't know if that's I what you want to watch. Like, <laughs> it would be a good think, meme at the very least. It will, allow, it, will allow, it will allow politicians to kind of rip into each other. Cause you know how they'd be doing that. They'd be like, uh, uh, let's, let's get away from that. Like, no, I, I need, I need to see more people ripping to other people to show There's, like you're dead ass wrong. And you're a piece of trash. Go. Parliament, and be like, Parliament of the United Kingdom does that all the time. And it's really, and we, yeah. we don't get a chance to see that. Though. We should have never broken away. Away from the UK. See, that's the lesson here. That's the, that's the lesson. George was right. Are you saying George was right? Andrew. We'll be big. We'll be big. Oh no, that, I'm glad that we mentioned the rap battle because I think that's a good example of, of kind of what I'm saying a little bit about the corniness. Like the form should match the content, right? So if you're having a debate about how you want to structure the government, that's a good time to use hip hop because it's a rap battle. Mm-hmm. But if Alexander Hamilton is trying to decide whether to support Thomas Jefferson or Aaron Burr, he doesn't need to say, you know, the people need to make a choice. You know, they need to hear my voice. You know, it's like that. That really does sound like the corny teacher at that point. If he's standing on the balcony and like that's the, also can we just say there were some very elemental rhyme structures in there. <laughs> like, very, yeah. very, and that one on page, you'd be like, bro, this is trash. Th- that one, that one, I, uh, that one, I, I let pass because of the, he wanted this to be an all ages thing. Um, so like, you kind of have to like, you gotta, you gotta dumb it down a little bit mm-hmm. so that it can hit, it can hit, every, it impact everybody on, uh, in some way. Um, right. Like the, I remember, I remember just sit, having to sit up from from Alexander Hamilton to Aaron Burser in, in between those two songs. I remember being in my seat, like, "All right, yeah, this is hype." And then as soon as they started talking fast and Aaron Burser, I was like, "Oh wait, hold on, I need to listen." Like, yeah. and it it would have helped to have closed captioning in real life. Right, but like, that would have been. I nice. had to, right. I, but like, I just had to sit up and be like, "Okay, I gotta, I gotta listen to everything they're saying." Like, I this is this is insane. And so it helped to have some slower, basic elemental rhymes to like, right. so I can still keep up with the storytelling side of things that's a Uh, fair point i agree if they were doing like insane multi-syllabic rhyme structures like like, we wouldn't know what they were saying yeah just like every guns and ships was hype like he's did it better like it just like okay this is great Uh, yeah i don't know how he did that uh but yes if that was every song we'd have had a problem (laughs) i'd be like this is a concert this is not a show you tricked me you know i'd like to do a shout out to the guy 
dad who played Hercules Mulligan because uh, you know, yes. he sounded like Biggie on the soundtrack, but actually seeing his presence and the way he was moving, like he's a big dude, but the way he be, I yeah. was high for him and I, it made me really enjoy him more. And I really love his, his, his lyrics. Right there. Oh really? For sure. He's one of my favorites. Hercules Mulligan for he, he he yeah he, he. I really I really appreciated him. Again, I did not know that people switched roles like between acts, right? So mm-hmm. there there was a lot of catching up for me to do in the second act. I was like, hold on a minute. Yeah, I didn't know. I, the first I figured it out though, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but his was the most telling because in the beginning, if you remember, again, it's like a hip hop reference. Mulligan was like had a little bit of Shaba ranks to him, like he was. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which was incredible. I was like, wow, how did they find a guy who could like do a Shabba Ranks voice, but also is like a Broadway actor? And then in the second half, he turns into Madison and his just like right. poise and stage presence and voice control. I was like, wait a minute, this guy can do a Shabba Ranks impression and then turn around and be James Madison, this right. like incredibly, you know, dignified, measured actor. I love that guy. I really, I, I, yeah. I'm with you. I had a lot of appreciation for him. He did a fantastic job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, like, the one of the giveaways to, like, the dualities of the role is that, like, when they say, you know, we fought for him, we died for him, it's like, we did fight for him, but it, we, we didn't say which side we were on in terms of fighting for him. <laughs> so, like, we fought for him in terms of the war, but after the war was over, we fought for him to endorse this guy. So it, it definitely was like, you know, and then, like, we died for him. It definitely was interesting seeing, like, oh, like, all this comes true later in the play. And, of course, you see that um, his, like, uh, John does die for him twice. Twice. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you can see that Peggy becomes Miss Reynolds and, right. and, the, and the second act of it's very interesting to watch that play out. Because all yeah. she got was attention and then the second act, she got all of these. She things. got that attention. She definitely got some attention. She got that attention. <laughs> the TLC. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the last the last main thing that I had that I wanted to make sure we talked about at least at least quickly was King George uh, in general uh, and like the praise for the character. Um, there was a weird dex- disconnect that I got in watching the play the first time, where like King George comes out, he sings this song, hilarious acting. Um, hilarious, like even the one the guy who did it in SF, he oh, he, he nailed it. Yeah. He nailed that entire Jonathan Graff, like, look and everything. Um, And, but I also felt like at that point in the show, he got the most applause Mm -hmm. out of literally everything else that had come before it, Um, which really, I didn't, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. And would like, after I left the show, in real life, just knowing the audience uh, that I was like there, because I mean, it was Broadway performance. The audience is always what the audience is. Um, (laughs) And so um, that's just how Broadway ends up being with the pricing and uh, and everything. So the, it just felt strange. It felt weird. I I was like, is this because he's super incredibly funny or is there an extra layer of like, of like cheer that we're, that like I, that I think I'm hearing, but maybe, am I making this up? Is this just me? Um, It's hard to get that out of the film um, because I'm in my own house and just laughing at Jonathan Graff spitting because that's, (laughs) apparently that's a thing, but, um, (laughs) but so I appreciated that role more, but I don't know if anyone else, of the people that saw Hamilton in theaters, I'm curious if anyone had a similar feeling, not in theaters, in in the theater. In the theater. theater. Marlon? (laughs) I think... 
for me, what I definitely thought it was is like comfortability. Like, oh, look, there's a familiar face. And like, oh, look, he's just, he, he, he like gets the spotlight. Like, I feel like whenever he's on stage, he's by himself for like a majority of every time. Like, it's just him. Yeah. And like, so it's like, oh, he's like, like, there's one, I think it's like, they're comfortable saying like, oh, it's the one white guy in the play. And two, oh, look, he has a solo. And so I'm wondering if it's because of like, oh, he, this is solo, so he gets a bigger applause that's just him. But I'm also like, there have been other solos in the play and like, you didn't get them the same response. I don't think, I don't think for me, I felt like it was a bigger applause. I definitely feel like he was more of like a jester. And then I feel like as a jester, you give him like, oh, a you did a good job. You're a good jester. You did great. So I yeah. feel like it was on par with like, oh, he's funny. Like, he's a funny man. Like, he gets a lot. Like, let's give him something like this. is he's, he's, he's so funny. So I feel like it was like a gesture of like, you keep being funny, you. Like, you're great. Because whenever he came out, it was like to always like transition the mood to like, oh, that happened. And here's my little fun song I'm saying about it. Right. Do my little cha-cha dance. And I'm also like, I'm also going to steal the scene by like not leaving. So like, I feel like even like, seeing the play live when the actors came out to like resume the play because they've been on pause. They're like, look at him. Like, why are you still here? They're doing this, the song. He's recording, like do the little like white person shuffle. Like you keep saying it. You do great. He's like, he's, <laughs> like even like they're doing like the never going to be president. He's like, never going to be never president. president. Never gonna be. <laughs> like, you didn't have to be there for this, but here he is. Yeah. Like, like, you never going to be president. And just like, oh, okay, he's here to be like a dick and be funny. So I feel like he was getting applause for that. Which is like okay, you know, and also I feel like he also like you had to applaud for me to leave. Like I, I need this. Like this is what right. I need. I need it when I arrive, and I need it when I leave. So <laughs> it was like, it was that. I was like, yo, I'm here. Come on, bigger. Because he's a king. I'll go right. now. Exactly. That's right. Mad king, but he's a king. He's a mad king. I think I agree with the jester thing. Like that yeah, role is point. so it's so isolated. Like he doesn't interact with anybody. He's not really a character. You know yeah. what I mean? He's just a symbol. And he comes out as a symbol and is tyrannical. And it's, it's also a very good song in my it opinion, is. like, you know, like incredibly catchy, right? So easy to sing along with. And I've only ever seen uh, Jonathan Groff's performance. So, but like, it, that's incredible. Right. So if you just come out and do one little thing, you know, it is so like somebody popping out, juggling for a few seconds and then leaving people like, Hey, that was great. That was different. There really isn't, there isn't anything else in the, in the show. I think that's just purely like a joke song. You know what I mean? Like there are lots of funny stuff that happens in the context of every song, but that one is like start to finish. Like I am a sick tyrant, right? Basically an abusive husband slash boyfriend. And I've made this wonderful sounding little song about, uh, what a tyrant I am. It's, it's isolated. It kind of exists in a vacuum and it is kind of like comic relief in a way. He can't. I'm, t- I can't I'm so blue. Right. It's, and, and <laughs> so I remember when uh, I worked at one school and we were teaching Hamilton for, this was like a musical class and we were like talking and analyzing the content and we were saying how like that song is a love song. It's, it's definitely in the range of a love pop song, but it's a toxic love song, you know, cause you know, America is, the one that's trying to break up, but he can't let go because it's like he's one of those. I've done everything for you. Why are you trying to leave? And then it's like, okay, so you're leaving. Well, I'm going to do this to you because you are not seeing that I'm the one. And then once you know that's done, he's like, oh, I'm going to be one of those petty exes and see how you're going to fail. And so 
again, when he's sitting on the side of the stage and he's just like, who will be president? Oh, he will be eaten alive. Or, oh, what's going on? Oh, like he's on the side of the stage reacting to it. Like to me in my head, I'm thinking, I, I wonder if in history, King George was just like, keep me abreast of what's happening across, you know, the ocean, you know, because he was probably just like, well, what are they doing? You know, they said they're going to start a country. We've been a country for over a thousand years. How are they going to do it? So I feel like, it's almost like a reality TV moment to me where uh, I don't know if the people I I'm going by off the, the film, like when people uh, were like enthusiastically like clapping for him. Like, again, I'm thinking it is a gesture. I think it's also part of his role as he's royalty. He's, he's the only one in the show who's actual royalty. But even though we hate him, you know, you still do the English thing of just, you know. But at the time, it's like, you know, he's high and mighty, but then he's he's a joke himself, you know. And then now now he's a gesture to us. It's like, yes. Yes, he's also, I would say, I think it's important to note, he's the only unambiguous villain in the whole production. Like, there really is no villain, right? There are just, like, complicated people who have differences in opinions, and some are petty, but you know them all. Yeah, you know them all well enough to know that, like, well, this is why this person is doing that. He's the only person who is just, like, 100% villainous, right? And everybody always loves the villain. In any show, right? It's like mm-hmm. Heath Ledger's oh, so Joker. Like, who do we love? We love Heath Ledger's Joker. Like, whenever they're coming out with a new superhero movie, it's like, well, who's going to play the villain? That's the biggest question. Right. And people who are able to do those turns, those always get the most love. You know, if you go to a Broadway show, whoever the bad guy is, they get the biggest applause. Can't, can't tell the good story without a good villain. Exactly. So I think that's yeah. also part of it. Like, not only is it he's a jester, but he's like a jester villain and in that way it's a brilliant piece of writing like oh how are we going to represent england like the enemy which really there weren't any british characters there wasn't anything else about the resistance no red coat bad guys you know so like the, he's really just a symbol i mean there were people in red coats on stage with muskets but you know what i mean like not there anybody. was no british characters but yeah him. nobody that we, we had our french character uh, the uh the guy who's reading the message at the beginning. Yeah, he was, no, he was a loyalist. He was a loyalist. So he's he was like a loyalist. Okay. Yeah, he was yeah. like he was an American who was like he was doing the accent. I was I always got the impression. But if he was OK, I mean, that was too. my read. I don't know. I mean, just based on he was British. British. No, he was from the Continental Congress. Something like that? No, he mentioned the Continental. He said this is a message to the Continental Congress. But anyway. go rewatch it. No, he might have been. I, I could be wrong. He might have been. But <laughs> they, they had to kind of untangle that. Like, obviously, there's already so much in this show what is going to be our representation of the enemy it's a, it's a show yeah. about a war essentially you know so let's bring in this symbol who's comedic and he's the like the two-dimensional villain who's easy to laugh at you know i think yeah. that's part of why he got so much love and it works i love uh, like i said i love that song i love that but every every person i've seen do that role has done a great job it's it's hilarious it's um, meaty and it's purposeful yeah. and it's always a white guy yeah, like that's the one where like this has to be a white guy every single day. I mean, yeah. it, is, it should like just based on it be strange, it's otherwise. Like, it can be whatever, but him like no, that's gotta be a white King guy. George. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Like, yeah. it should. That's just the. Washington's I think that's the point. I think guy, it's, but... as much as that show, as much as Hamilton tries to like bring the point of immigrants and slavery and a couple other things like to the forefront, that makes sense to me that that's, that's going to be one of the few constants in that play, no matter where it goes is. Um, yeah. That, um, so I, I'm happy with it. I'm glad that everyone is getting to see it. I hope everyone watches it. Um, yeah. This weird debate on like, 
is it as good as everyone remembers it or like some there's a weird like uh the internet trying to have some sort of like don't love hamilton cancel hamilton or something right. i don't know what i'm seeing I'm no really no no what people I, are I saying about, yeah what people are saying this because well, i mean okay. i think it's a mixture i feel like folks aren't taking to heart that the play literally is a joke it's like yeah like everything we're doing like maybe like 45% of this information is accurate, accurate. Everything else literally will be made up on the spot. If you do want to fully look at the history of our founding fathers, they're not great. They're not awesome. Right. If you watch the Gen War, Slave Teeth. Um, I mean, they're all just like terrible people. And I know that like one of the things they brought up is the fact that Alexander Hamilton married into the Schuyler family. The Schuyler family was one of the biggest slave buying families mm-hmm. in that region. Mm-hmm. He also did help them acquire more slaves through okay. documentation they found with a signature on it. So there are definitely other sides of history to look at, which we definitely should always look at. But I feel like in terms of this display, they never, they fully make sure, you know, this is just a play. It's like fictitious for a good chunk of it. Like we have like some like really like, you know, great, great level drops of information. Like great. He made it in the, the New York Post and the, the Wall Street. Like it's, that's, that's Hamilton. He did that. But everything else is fake. And I don't think they want you to go away thinking, oh, you should fully idolize America more, be more about America. The whole point of the play is in two parts. One, how like they overthrew a tyrannical government because of what they were doing. You know, two, take advantage of like the opportunity you've been given. Don't throw away your shot. And three, like, you know, you don't get to pick like how your story's played out, but you just got to, you know, write it yourself and do all you can. It isn't about being a patriot. I mean, literally they like told uh, Pence when he came to a show to like, hey, like you got to free people. You're like, you're, you're kind of the, like, you're the, you're the main antagonist right now, very much like King George. And he like left. So it's like, they've been using their platform to fully like, elevate a lot of issues that people have been like finding issues with so you can hit on that but don't hit on play too much i don't remember was the pence comment from the original cast yeah from the original cast okay because he because i just can't remember if that sure? was i feel like it was more recent than that I feel like are he, you sure i feel like he came to new york uh, it would make it, sense it? because the 20 the election was 2016 this film was filmed in 2016 it would make he, sense if it was the original he cast did it, he the did timeline it, lines it up 2000, i think he did around 2017 it, it was like right after trump got re-elected uh, i want to say it was the year 2017 i will look it up <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> it's oh, one of yeah. I don't know. It was, it was it was 2016. Yes. Okay. Oh, it was 2016. Yeah. Mm. This timeline question is is something that was kind of bouncing around in my mind while I was watching it. Like this show was written and initially performed like when we were still in the Obama era. Right. It was a lot of like post-racial optimism about the future of our country, right? And that's kind of all over this show. And it is a little bit different, I think, to watch it in 2020 now that that sheen of optimism has, <sighs> the context has changed, right? It's not like, oh, this show's not good or not relevant anymore. It's just, um, and dated isn't even really the right word, but you could tell, like, you know what I mean? You could tell that you're watching it in the Trump era and it was made in the Obama era. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, uh, that, yes. I think that piece, you know, especially, I mean, the, so many different conversations about, you know, Obama's presidency could be had or whatever conversations we had about race around that time. Like just the idea of like race blind casting, putting people of color in these roles, like, you know, having a black president that a lot of that 
those aspects of the show were kind of enabled in a lot of ways, I think, socially by Obama's presidency. And it's not like, oh, all that stuff's erased or went backward. But there was just like, there was a certain optimism, which I don't think was deluded or foolish at the time that feels different now. Go ahead. I don't know what the hand signals I'm, are. I'm saying five, well, it's actually six minutes. I was doing oh, 10 six. minutes, You're now six minutes. Signaling at the director, like, hey, how much time we got? I don't want to talk over you, Russ. I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> I just want to say, Amy, did you have anything to say? Because you saw it on stage, then you saw it the movie. And I just wanted to hear what you had to say. Um, I think it was, it was interesting seeing everything in more detail for me because we were like on the far left side of the theater, but, but close up so we could see things pretty clearly, but some things like um, when the King's on the side, I couldn't really see him that well. Mm-hmm. And now I, so I was like, okay, so just more details really. And um, the only thing I really had to say was I loved the, the actor who wasn't, who was an SF. I also can't remember who played um, Burr at also Raymond's so maybe he just wasn't that good. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I really did like, 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 I think I prefer the SF actor who played who, who played him than than um with his face. I don't know why. I I just liked him a lot. Wait, for, in, in, for Hamilton or Burr? For, for Hamilton. Hamilton. Oh, he was what? a good Hamilton. He was really good. I really liked him. He, he had a presence. I liked how he sang. I liked how he rapped. I liked everything. It was very. It was very good. It was very all just synced Aww. up. Yeah, there are a lot of cool Hamilton. I mean, I saw Skinny Hamilton and I saw like a like a bigger Luther Vandross Hamilton. And I gotta say, the Asian <laughs> Hamilton in they, England, they all, I was like, they brought it. You know, we got we got the ours was kind of a Luther Vandrossy kind of Hamilton. Wait, what are you serious? The fair skinned dude. No, this guy was this guy was darker skinned. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, Luther Vandross Hamilton. I know. I want to watch this. He just was. He was. Uh, he was. At least if we all the same, if we all saw the same There's guy. There's so many. I, he was. He was a. Mine nice was looking, tall and like medium build, not too skinny. It was almost like if Marlon was Hamilton. Like. Yes. Okay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's your Halloween costume, Marlon. <laughs> as long um, as Raymond gets to be Thomas Jefferson and wear like a, a, a purple velvet suit, I'm down. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can see Raymond the King coming down the stairs. Just what I miss. Can't believe so it. I can't see that. I can't oh see that. I know. Kat, does that mean you're Eliza? Where, where are we at with this? Angelica was my favorite character. That's Peggy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, why? I feel like that's not a very nice thing to say. Am I, am I reading that right? Yeah, I was just playing the death part. Hey, I don't want to You're being an asshole. I, I wanted to make sure I got that right. You're being a dick. That's all. Um, but I will say, you guys, I am happy that this came out when it did. I feel like, you know, people have different views on Independence Day, whether you celebrate it or not. And even though this is a fictional story about the Founding Fathers, I do enjoy this story because it instills in a type of, again, you quoted in the play, immigrants, they get the job done. I feel like the story, you know, is told with Black and people of color in a way to show, again, you know, we made the story to reference American history, but in time, it is a reflection of who actually made American history? Who who kind of just built America again? I, I, I kind of view it like that. And so, you know, with Independence Day, I do find myself thinking like, this might be a tradition for me around the 4th of July to watch this because it's like the perfect thing to kind of watch. I, I don't know any other 
uh, I don't think there is a revolutionary thing worth watching. I know, I know that's that Mel Gibson movie. No, because that's about loyalists. That one is right. about loyalists. So then, that's accurate. Hamilton. Even a little bit. Right. So watch what Hamilton. What about Independence Day? Day? That <laughs> welcome to Earth. Is there time um, travel in there? <laughs> <laughs> um, you're, you can watch that right after Hamilton. So you get your aliens. Well, then your Afrofuturism. Yeah. Right. Right, you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. Just don't watch the second one because that was trash. Don't watch the second one. I agree. So I watched that completely in Spanish because I was on the plane. Um, I think it, I thought it was better in Spanish. That was just me. Um, All the languages. Right. So yeah, I feel like this is going to be a tradition of mine of watching it. I mean, I probably watch it regardless of any time of the year, but definitely making time to kind of making it like. Oh, it's that time we have to watch you guys and watch it, you know, and kind of understand from our our ancestors and you know what they had to go through to build this country. It's pretty tragic, but you know it also instilled hope because if it wasn't for them, we would not be here. So that's how I kind of see with Hamilton, with who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Yeah. We know about Hamilton, but the people around Hamilton who did a lot, the people, especially like the women and the people who actually did fight for slavery, you know, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have all the great stuff we have today. And now I'm realizing time is up. That is perfectly fine. Thank you guys for coming together and talking about all our wonderful topics today. Uh, shout out to Amy, Ray, Marlon, and especially Russell. Thank you for dropping by and hanging out with us. Literally dropping in. Thanks for having Literally. me. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you to our listeners and fans. Again, you can find us on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I think I said that all. Yeah, I did. And, um, you know, you guys keep it cool out there. Uh, still, cool stay- cats and kittens. Cool cats and kittens. We're bringing that back, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, uh, for everyone else, thank you for listening to our show. Uh, make sure to check out Hamilton if you're interested. Uh, let us know in comments or whatnot if what 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 are your thoughts about it. But until then, you know, stay home, stay safe, and geek on. This episode of Quest On Media's Geek Force was produced in Richmond, California.